Thank you for joining us for this podcast of Northwest Presbyterian Church in Dublin, Ohio. Our church exists to celebrate the gospel through Christ-centered study, worship, and prayer, to connect in community through fellowship, accountability, shepherding, and outreach, and to love our city through sacrificial giving of time, treasure, and talents so that it might flourish as a place where Jesus is known. For service times and more information about our church, visit npcdublin.org. Today, we're in the second part of a three-part series on our core values. Celebrate the gospel, love the city, connect in community. And I get the, the privilege of talking about the second, the love the city. And to k- kick us off, um, this week, I had to take my car to the mechanic. Wasn't that bad, but I had to take my car to the mechanic. And my mechanic seems to be good at his job, but he's really kind. And anytime I have a car issue and I go to talk to him, he will then take time to explain to me the details of how the car works and what's malfunctioning. And I don't really understand anything about the way cars work, right? So when he does this, Graciously, it's kind, he's a good guy, good job, good at his job. He takes the time to tell me. As he starts and what's going wrong, I know that I get a glazed look over my eyes, or at least there's this expression that says, I have no idea what you're saying, but I'm still nodding, like, sure, sure. Uh, and in the end, I, I don't really care how it works. I, I'm willing to pay him, the expert, to do it, right? Um, now, connecting back to what we're talking about. I've been in working in ministry for over 20 years, and the ministry that I work with is always focused on evangelism and discipleship, outreach to new people, seeing people come to Christ, training others to do the same. And I find when I talk to other people about evangelism and outreach and the gospel spreading to new people, I often get the same look back. People are like, sure, sure, yeah, this really happens. Um, I think the passage we're looking at today is really great. I think it will provide a foundation for you and a general perspective to help you understand what it looks like to engage the world and love the city. And with this framework, it will give you motivation, hope, and confidence to try to love the city. So I'm hoping that when you leave here this morning, you won't leave like I leave my mechanic saying, I don't get it, but that's why we pay you. But instead, you will think, I see my role. I see my role. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this time this morning. Thanks for every single person that's here. Thank you for the the chance just to worship you, to to reflect on your goodness, the goodness that's reflected uh, through Christ. Thank you for this passage. Please teach us from us. Please open our eyes to see things that we may not see and pierce our hearts with truths that we need to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this passage, the first thing we see is this. God is doing more than we realize. God is doing more than we realize. So the passage starts, and Paul explains this scenario for himself. He says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel, even though a door is open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus. So I took leave and went on to Macedonia. Well, sometimes in in gospel, in the letters that we don't know, what's the whole context there? But sometimes we do. In this story, you can look at Acts 16 to find out what was going on. What was happening to prevent him and open doors? So we're going to look over at Acts 16, the very situation that was happening when he is what he's mentioning here. Acts 16, starting at verse 6. Do we have this? Yeah. And they went, these people with Paul, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia in a Roman territory, where we remained in the city for some days. So first, notice this, that you know, he, in that letter to Corinthians, Paul says there was an open door at Troas, but when we look at Acts, the open door wasn't anything special at Troas. It was just the first time that Paul wasn't prevented from sharing the gospel. I came to this place, the Holy Spirit prevented me. I came to this spirit, this place, the spirit of Jesus would not allow me, and then I got to Troas. That's an open door. Holy Spirit didn't stop me, so that's an open door. He didn't stay because then a bigger open door came to Macedonia, and he ended up going there. But I think it's important for us to stop and notice that this open door at Troas was just the fact that he wasn't stopped from preaching. Now, what we need to understand in this, though, is that God is often working more than we realize through twisting and confusing journeys. This passage could be really confusing for you, and it could be really confusing for Paul. Paul is willing to share the gospel with anyone. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. He comes to a city, he's there to preach, and it didn't say the enemy stopped him. It doesn't say the, the devil stopped him. The Holy Spirit would not pre- let him share there. So he moves on to a new city. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. He's ready to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit doesn't allow him there. And he gets another place, and eventually the Holy Spirit leads him to Philippi. So what we need to understand is sometimes here in Paul's life, Paul's, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, Paul, you could share there. I just don't want you sharing there right now. Yes, you could share here, but I don't really want you sharing there right now. You could share here. I don't want you sharing there right now. I want you sharing here. Similar things happen for us. Similar things happen. You may be in places where the people you're around, your work, your family, your neighborhoods, it doesn't seem like there's an openness to the gospel. It doesn't seem like there's much interest in discussing the gospel. And we can't, like Paul, say boldly, the Holy Spirit prevented me. We need to be careful concluding that. But on the other hand, we should also have the humility to say, maybe I need to understand something here. Maybe I'm not being prevented by outside forces. Maybe God has me here, and it's okay. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to work here, love these people, live around these people. But the Holy Spirit isn't giving me an opportunity to share here. Maybe that's happening in your life sometimes. Sometimes, though, we don't make that connection. We think, I'm here, so I should be sharing. And if nothing's happening, our interpretation is, Holy Spirit just doesn't work anywhere. I must be doing something wrong. I give up. I lose hope. But potentially, have you ever considered that maybe something's not happening in certain places because the Holy Spirit is saying, not here right now, not here right now, not right here right now, but here instead. In this passage, we're seeing God works through confusing journeys more than we realize. And we're also seeing in this passage that the Holy Spirit and God works more in our lives than we realize. Let's look back at the passage. Paul says this, Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. 
We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance of death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? It says God is spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of himself everywhere through us, through us. We are the aroma of Christ. Notice who is doing the work here? Who is creating the aroma? Who's spreading the fragrance? Who is drawing to death? Who is drawing to life? God. God is doing all that. It, doesn't, it does not say Paul is proclaiming the knowledge of God, though he does in other places. Right here, it's saying that God is spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of himself through the people, just through the aroma of their life. God is doing more through their life than they realize. God is doing more through our life than we realize. But how? How does this happen? How does the aroma of Christ come from us in such a way it's going to spread the knowledge of God to other people? Well, it really connects to last week. It connects to last week when Pastor Chris was talking about the value of celebrating the gospel. When you celebrate the gospel, sometimes it leads to personal gospel renewal. I want to share a little passage here. Tim Keller in a book, Center Church, shares this, why we would celebrate the gospel. He says this, The gospel doctrines of sin and grace are actually experienced, not just known intellectually. This personal renewal includes awareness and conviction of one's own sin and alienation from God and comes from seeing ourselves deeper layers of self-justification, unbelief, and self-righteousness than ever seen before. There's a new commensurate grasp of the wonder of forgiveness and grace as we shed these attitudes and practices and rest in Christ alone for salvation. As we celebrate the gospel, we start to experience gospel renewal, and these things start manifesting themselves in our life. And sometimes you don't just experience gospel renewal, but a community can start to experience gospel renewal. When several of us start experiencing the same thing together, it can lead to this, a season in which a whole body of believers experience personal gospel renewal together. Sometimes this is what people call revival. Over time, all churches, no matter how sound their theology, tend to lose sight of the uniqueness of the gospel and fall into practices that conform more to other religions or irreligion. Leaders of the church must always be bringing the gospel to bear on people's minds and hearts so that they see it not just as a set of beliefs, but as a power that changes us profoundly and continually. Leaders should be helping us celebrate the gospel, right? He goes on. In other words, revivals and renewals are necessary because the default mode of the human heart is work righteousness. We do not ordinarily live as if the gospel is true. The gospel of sheer grace offered to hopeless sinners will humble and comfort all at the once. The results are joy, a willingness to admit faults, graciousness with all, and a lack of self-absorption. So revival is not a historical curiosity. It is a consistent pattern of how the Holy Spirit works in a community to arrest and counteract the default mode of the human heart. So perhaps the most important thing you can do to help love the city is to celebrate the gospel. If you will celebrate the gospel, you will experience gospel renewal. And this renewal is profound and dynamic. Most important thing you could do, consistently, deeply, corporately celebrate the gospel so these things can happen. So if these two things are true, though, if God is doing more than we realize, what is a natural consequence of that? The consequence is we are missing more than we realize. We're missing. If God is doing all these things and we don't see it, we don't realize it, we're missing some important things going on around us right now. There's two main things we're going to look at of how we're missing, things we're missing. First, we're going to look at, we, we miss, often we miss where God is working. We miss where God is working. 
If sometimes he has us in those places, like I mentioned in the beginning, he has you a place. This is where I work. These are my family members. These are my friends. This is my school. This is my team. It just doesn't seem like there's much interest or movement here in anything spiritual. And if we think this is where I'm supposed to share and nothing's happening, I just force it anyway. Or I say nothing's happening. So I just give up instead of saying, maybe God has me here but nothing's happening and I should keep looking around. Maybe he's working somewhere else. Maybe not here, maybe not here, maybe not here. Oftentimes we're not seeing where he's working because we're only looking at one place. Just think, what if Paul in his first place got to Asia and the Holy Spirit didn't allow him to preach the gospel there? And he said, I don't care. I'm here, I'm staying. These people need to hear the gospel. Then he would never have made it to Philippi. The church wouldn't have been planted. We wouldn't read about the church in Philippi. Other things would not have happened. God was at work getting him there. He wasn't disobedient to move on. God was at work to move him there. What if the same things happen in your life? Maybe there's places that there's not much going on because God is trying to direct your attention somewhere else. He's saying, I have a plan for those people and for your role in those people's lives, but I want you to invest more energy somewhere else. So keep looking around. Some of you have already seen that. Some of you have, have places where you know, it doesn't seem like there's much going on here and here, but I've found places to serve the church. I've, I've helped out with Stillwater, or I help out with ELL, English Language Learners. I come on Thursday mornings or Wednesday mornings, one of the mornings, and help with ELL. Uh, I help in children's ministry. I help in uh, the worship team. I help with the music or tech, you know? You, and, and when you come, you think, okay, when I'm at the other places, I don't really see much, but when I come and help out with ELL or Stillwater or children's ministry, when I'm there, I can see God moving. I can tell my investments actually help someone. This is great, good, but sometimes people's attitude is, yes, it's here, but God's not working there. Don't be discouraged. I would say probably he's not working in those ways, other places, because he wants you working in these areas. It's not, oh, I guess I'll be here because there's not here. It's, hey, no, 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 here, invest here. Maybe some of you guys haven't looked yet. Maybe you think, I'm so busy with work and doing these things, I don't even believe God is working. Maybe you should get involved in some of the ministries of the church, and you'll find, wow, the God, the God is moving. God uses my life to help other people. It seems like I just work and make money and take care of all the pressures in life, but God actually wants to use me if I would actually find a way to serve. Now, others of you need the other encouragement, the exact opposite. Some of us think the only way that God really works is in the church-sponsored programs, you know? And when I come to the church-sponsored programs, it's, it's set up on a plate for me. I know I can talk about God here because that's why we're here. And some of you need to think, yes, that's true, but God has you in so many places. The amount of places that you are, we couldn't even begin to count, right? Uh, we can, there's a limited number of ministries the church can offer. They are important, but it's very limited. But God has you scattered throughout the whole city serving in different ways. God is working in other ways in your life and around you if you see it. But that takes us to the other part that we miss. We often miss how God's working. We miss where he's working, and we often miss how he's working. Earlier on, we look at the passage, God spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of himself everywhere through the aroma of Christ in us. How does that happen? It happens by us experiencing gospel renewal. But what does that look like to be the aroma of Christ and be helpful for other people? I have a grid I'm going to put on here. Um, I've seen a few different versions. I know and you put up something with a lot of text. You're like, I'm never going to read all that. I can't write that down. 
It's just an idea. Uh, there's, I've seen a few different grids like this that have the similar concepts expressed a little bit differently. This grid's not a rigid, definitive thing, but it's helping you at least think through uh, kind of the process of people coming to conversion, to coming to faith in Christ. Oftentimes there are steps along the way. There are little thresholds are crossing. Sometimes even unconsciously, they don't know what's happening. Sometimes you can't recognize it, but it's it good to at least consider there's other things going on in people's lives. And uh, sometimes when we think gospel proclamation or spreading the word, we think discussing core doctrines, helping people understand theological truths, arguing over behavior, lifestyle choices, cultural concepts. And there's some of that, but there's more as well. Sometimes, I think for you, God has you in certain places that help certain people take some of these earlier steps. Some of the steps that you see on the chart, you know, there's the, the first step of actually trusting a Christian. You know, for some of you, you may be in a place and after your life around these people, uh, their conclusion, they finally say, I, I, I don't know much about church, haven't really been around Christians, but I've met one. And that person, I, th- I can see something real in their life. I trust them. If I had questions, I know I would go and ask them. I'm seeing something real in their life. And that made me your whole role in that person. They around someone else later on in life. They're around someone else in a different part of life. But right now, you may be the person to be the Roman of Christ. So they actually say, I finally found a Christian that I trust. Or maybe step two, maybe they, knowing you, they leave and eventually become curious. Maybe they're finally able to say, okay, there's a lot of religious stuff out there. There's a lot of Christian stuff out there. There's some controversies. There's this, but I'm starting to understand that this is really about Jesus. And I, maybe instead of getting distracted by all the other things, I should try to figure out what I think about Jesus, right? Maybe that happens because of your relationship with them. Or maybe step three, they become open to change. Maybe before they knew you, they'd say, the whole idea of sin seems crazy. Who are you to tell me what I can or can't do? But after knowing you, I see there's actually substance here. After talking with you a little bit more, I see maybe there are idols in my heart that control me more than I realize. Maybe there could be freedom out there. Maybe that's your role. That's how it looks. That's what it looks. But if we're thinking, oh, only gospel outreach or God really opening doors is for me to draw someone to the point of decision and trusting in Christ and actually talk about, can I trust? Then you're missing all these other things God's doing. This is a slow process. And you're around many people that God is trying to use the aroma of his son to spread the fragrance of knowledge of himself through you with those people. So sometimes we miss how he's working there, uh, but we also miss how he's working. We're gonna look back at Acts 16. So, you know, 2 Corinthians connects to Acts 16 and we see Paul eventually got to Philippi. And then quickly, there's these three conversion stories, paragraph after paragraph, three different conversion stories. And you should read it. You should go home and read. We don't have time to read all of it now. You should go home and read it later on. But the, the three people are as different as you could imagine. And their encounters with the gospel are as different as you could imagine. First, you have Lydia, who is a successful businesswoman. And she just comes to a place for their preaching. And she hears them talking about the gospel and believes. Next, we have a possessed slave girl who follows Paul around. It is saying, these people are servants of the Most High that tell the way of salvation. In Acts 16, it says, Paul became greatly annoyed with her and cast out the demon. And she comes to faith, right? Very different experience. Then they end up in jail for that. 
They're in jail, Paul and his buddies, and they're singing and praying. An earthquake comes. The cells are opened. People start to leave. The jailer grabs a sword, starts to kill himself because he knows I'll be held responsible for the prison break. But Paul says, don't worry, put your sword away. We'll just stay. It's okay. We don't need to get out. We'll just stay here. This is fine. And the guy, the jailer says, tell me about this message. Tell me about this message. You know, seeing their life, who would live like that? Who would make a decision like that? The jailer, the possessed slave girl, the successful businesswoman. Actually, there's a passage. Just look at this. There's a book that I found really helpful, Evangelism in a Secular World by Sam Chan. He says this. He kind of summarizes it. We see three different models of evangelism in Acts 16. Cognitive thinkers, Lydia, are persuade, persuaded by a reasoned discussion. They need to think about the gospel. We reach them with a logical presentation of ideas. Intuitive thinkers, slave girl, are persuaded by emotions. They need to sense the awe of the gospel. We reach them with events and transcendental experiences. Concrete relational thinkers, the jailer, are persuaded by stories. They need to see how the gospel works. We reach them with the example of our lives. I'm sure those three stories are put there so that we would see, oh, this is not one size fits all. There's a lot going on here. We tend to look at our own conversion experience and overemphasize that as normative. We also have a tendency to be skeptical of conversion experiences that are unlike ours. Shame on us. The Holy Spirit can work any way it wants to regenerate dead hearts. Some of the people that you're around may be very different than you. They may be more like the slave girl or the Lydia or the, the jailer. I don't know which one you connect with and you can see, oh, this is a real movement of the Holy Spirit. There could be things going on with people around you who are really spiritually interested, but because their spiritual interest isn't similar to yours, you dismiss it or you just don't see it. God is working more than we imagine. He's doing more than we realize and we're missing more than we realize. But... What's also true, what's also true is the love of Christ is more powerful than you realize. Paul finishes this passage by saying this, we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. What does it mean to peddle God's word? Peddle. Well, you might think of prosperity preachers. You might think in history when the church would sell indulgences to build cathedrals. That's peddling God's word. Maybe you think of uh, people who use the Bible to swindle and take advantage of people. Uh, maybe you think of false teachers who use the word to coerce and manipulate people. Maybe you think of people who treat the Bible lightly, who decide, oh, if I don't like this part of the Bible, I'll just skip it. I can decide this one's part's out of date, so I'm peddling God's word, just picking and choosing what parts actually work. Those are all good examples of peddling God's word. People peddle it all the time. But I think the passage is going to give us a little broader category to understand what is really peddling God's word. Not just those things, but more. We're going to look at the metaphors that have been used. The metaphor of the triumphal procession and of the, the fragrance, right? It's a commentary that I found that really helped me dig deeper into this. I'm going to share a little bit from this. He says, Paul, by employing the metaphor of the triumphal procession, that Paul presents God as the conquering general and himself as God's prisoner. Like a captive in a triumphal procession, but unlike the captives in a triumphal procession, he willingly follows as an apostle, slave, and captive. 
The fragrance metaphor should be understood in, understood in light of the sacrificial imagery of the Old Testament, since fragrance and odor are frequently combined in the Greek Old Testament to describe the sweet-smelling fragrant sacrifice. So Paul employs both metaphors, triumphal procession and fragrant aroma of sacrificial offering to clarify the paradoxical nature of his ministry. Although he appears as a defeated and humiliated prisoner to the world, he is in fact exuding the sweet-smelling fragrance of Christ's sacrificial death by the gospel he preaches and the ministry he exercises. So, to share the word of God without following the conquering general as a willing captive is to peddle the word of God. What's your attitude and posture? Are you a willing captive? Are you a willing captive? He didn't conquer us by overcoming us with sheer force of power. He didn't beat us down to make us submit. He conquered us with his love, right? His love conquered us. He used his power to defeat sin and death, but he conquered us and brought us over, captured us with his love. Later on in the same letter, Paul says this, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and for their sake was raised. To share the word of God without the sweet aroma that comes from laying down my life as a sacrificial offering is to peddle God's word. I may appear as a defeated and humiliated prisoner, but so did my savior. He wasn't forced into it. He chose to do it. And when we see that and we understand that love, it starts to transform us. It becomes natural for us to do the exact same thing. And that is the aroma of Christ. That is where the power of Christ is really displayed. To share the word of God apart from sharing about this Christ is to peddle the word of God. To share the word without sharing about the Christ who willingly sacrificed, was scorned, rejected, and crucified, but raised from the grave and ascended to heaven, to share the word without sharing about him is to peddle the word of God. It's to peddle the word of God. So we need to ask ourselves, do we peddle the word of God? Not just these false teachers of prosperity people, but do we peddle the word of God? Do we use the word to lord it over others, but haven't really personally surrendered to the Lord ourselves? Do we speak about the word? Do we know the word, but not really know the Christ of the word? Do we use the word to talk to people about their sin and their behavior, but we haven't let the word of Christ convict us of our sin and our behavior, bringing us broken and needy to the throne of God to find grace and forgiveness and new life in Christ? Can you say with sincerity, I have concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all died. And the one who died, died so that I would no longer live for myself, but for him who died for my sake and was raised. Can you say that? Be clear, to not be conquered, to not be captured by Christ, the alternative isn't freedom. The alternative is just being captive to sin. If you think captured by Christ or freedom, I don't know, you're just playing a game. The alternative is being captured by sin. Jesus might be leading us in triumphal procession, but sin that controls us is parading us around just as easily 
in making you a laughingstock. You may think that sin is just something you choose because you enjoy and that's what you want, and it's not true. It owns you every way. To be captured by sin or to capture by Christ's love is our alternatives. So for us, <coughs> thanks be to God who leads us in triumphal procession. Thanks be to God who somehow is spreading the fragrance and the aroma of himself everywhere through us. God is doing more than we realize in us, through us, before us. We're just walking into the next step and he's doing more beyond us. I just finished a book by Glenn Schreibner called uh, The Air We Breathe. It kind of talks about this, that how uh, Jesus's gospel has influenced the world so much more than any of them realized that, it, that some of the values we even say that are so true are only true because Jesus presented them. And we've, we're all convinced of it, even though we don't realize it's him. And he kind of summarizes it like this. Jesus was a penniless preacher without a scrap of earthly power. And yet he considered his words to be eternally authoritative. He never wrote a book or founded a school, but he considered his judgment to be everlastingly decisive. He never entered politics or religious orders or the military, but he was confident that the movement he founded would be like a pinch of yeast, which works its way into the whole batch of dough, the whole world. Likewise, he predicted that his teaching would be like the smallest seed that ends up growing into the largest tree. From the beginnings, his kingdom would expand to fill the earth. Intriguingly, Jesus adds the detail of the birds who find themselves perching in the tree's branches. The last time Jesus mentioned birds, they were pecking at the seed, opposing the growth, trying to stop it. Now they find their home within it. Such is the surprising and exorable expansion of the Jesus movement and all that was predicted long in advance. If we try to love the city without celebrating the gospel, without being transformed by love of Christ, we have little to offer. If we will try to love the city while celebrating the gospel, we can expect to see God at work. A couple of weeks ago in, in here, uh, someone was talking to me about some of the campus outreach activities this summer and some of the things that happened that were pretty cool to see. And they asked me, were you surprised? And they said, or were you not surprised because you see this stuff a lot? It was a great question. And I would say, I am often surprised at where God is working and how God is working. I'm often surprised by those two things. But I am not surprised that God is working. I completely expect to see God at work. He is working. Uh, if you really follow my life, you may realize it seems like you don't do anything right. You just stumble into good things that God does. <laughs> and maybe that's exactly what it is. But it could be true for you too because God is working. I just happen to see it sometimes. You know, I stumble into it because I'm looking for him to work. I wish that we could do a little month exercise and for one month, every day, at the end of the day, I could talk with you and we could debrief your day and we could look back over it and see ways that God was at work in your life, that God was using your life to spread the aroma of himself, how God was bringing people into your life on purpose, how God was doing some of it to encourage you, some of it to use you to encourage them. I wish we could do that because if we could, you would start to see there's eternal significance in so much that I do that I miss, that I miss. Sadly, I can't. I don't have that much time. Uh, but core value number three will take us that way. Connecting in community helps. We might not be able to debrief every day, but if you connect in community, we help each other. What's God doing here? Sometimes I don't see it. I'm just busy or stressed. But if we connect in community, we can help see 
Maybe this is a purpose. Maybe something good is happening here. We'll learn more about that next week. If we will just realize that God is at work, you will see where he's working and how he's working. But we have to realize it first. When we do, we will be motivated to love our city with hope and confidence. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more information about our church, our values, mission, and ministries, visit npcdublin.org.